Welcome to Crypto Sapiens, a show that hosts lively discussions with innovative Web3 builders to help you learn about decentralized money systems, including Ethereum, Bitcoin, and DeFi. The podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only, and it is not financial advice. Crypto Sapiens is presented in partnership with Bankless DAO, a movement for pioneers seeking freedom from the limitations of the traditional financial system. Bankless DAO will help the world go bankless by creating user-friendly on-ramps for people to discover decentralized financial technologies through education, media, and culture. Hello, and welcome back to Crypto Sapiens. Today's episode is a bit different than others you may have grown familiar with. It is one of a four-part miniseries that explores Web3 identity. W3ID is a series co-hosted by Crypto Sapiens and many of the top Web3 builders and seeks to demystify digital identity and present to you, our dear listeners, with many of the novel applications that are being developed today. I truly hope you enjoy this content and find it useful in your crypto journey. So without further ado, let's get started. I'm Philip Silva. I go by UBI Promoter in a bunch of different places. Uh, I've been involved in Bright ID since 2018, before it actually existed as a thing. Um, view this, solving this problem of digital unique humanness uh, as as essential to sort of the future of how we're going space. Yeah, have have worked closely uh, closely with 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 Adam for for years now. Uh, met Humpty sometimes back, and really appreciate uh, your 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 efforts in in bringing the various participants in the space together uh, to work together on this big problem, because collectively we need to solve it. I'm always really excited to uh, connect the dots, you know, in the in this space, in particular the space of uh, digital identity. Uh, self-sovereignty and reputation. Um, there's just so many people that are building in this space. Um, I saw a tweet earlier today, actually, someone talking about um, there's just so many projects working on this. And I think that this is keeping from the adoption of self-sovereign identity. And, you know, I don't disagree that there's there's challenges in, in, in projects working independently. But I, I think to me, it's Identity is a very complex, uh, you know, issue or challenge here in the in the digital space and in the Web three space. And so, being able to have different projects, uh, you know, look at identity from different angles and solve for different elements of it, and then come together to build out the ecosystem. I think that that is that's kind of the way, and I need more and more of that. So, just happy to be able to put together this. Uh, conversation here with so many of you who, uh, you know, I've been working with uh, for some time as well. Um, Adam, did you want to give an introduction to yourself as well? Sure, thanks. Um, yeah, I'm Adam, and I'm most known for the Bright ID protocol that I work on. And um, yeah, like Philip said, I, I view this problem as very important. And like he also said, I got into it originally a few years ago. I know other people have been thinking about it much longer than I have, um, including Vitalik and, and other people that we know. Um, I got into it because I saw it as like a major roadblock for universal basic income. 
And um, and since then, I've learned a whole bunch of other that can be used for. We uh, started out with a grant from Aragon that wanted it to be used for new types of DAOs. And so we've um, that's that's become somewhat of a reality, though I wish more DAOs would use Bright ID. Um, you can actually integrate it with Snapshot and Aragon. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, it's got lots of lots of other uses that I didn't even think about. And that's something that's cool about building something that's like a trying trying to be a lower level protocol is um, is that people will discover use cases for you. And so that that's evidence to me that this problem goes beyond beyond just UBI. There's other like tons that's really important, but there's tons of other cool stuff you can do with it. So there's plenty of other use cases that people are finding and lots of interesting stuff going on in this space. That's cool. That's that's a nice bit of background. I didn't know that there was a grant from Aragon when Bright ID first started. Uh, nice to see uh, kind of um, the spark, I guess, that uh, facilitated Bright ID and to see uh, the extent of development and growth since then, I imagine, uh, is is pretty wonderful to see as well. Uh, congratulations to you for all the work y'all are doing, because I think Bright ID is uh, certainly a uh, crucial to the adoption of, you know, identity, decentralized identity in the future. So um, let's see. Disruption Joe, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going, everybody? So I work with uh, Gitcoin right now with the DAO. Uh, I transferred over from the company to the DAO last August and to run the fraud detection defense work stream. Uh, Gitcoin grants has been one of the first use cases we've seen that really uh, create a strong need and use case for uh, having a unique, unique identifier or unique online identity identifier um, in the space. And fundamentally what we're doing here to me is like enabling digital democracies um, to give people equal access to the power levers in society. Um, to me, it's a pretty straightforward thing that governance is the reallocation of uh, resources within a group, and you need the consent of the governed. So you need to know that the decisions made by those who are governed and have that representation are, in fact, real people, real participants. And the civil problem we fight is the idea of Gitcoin grants, people are submitting votes, amount of weight behind them which is the amount of dollars they donate towards the campaigns. That's how they've, and we need to make sure that they're not stuffing ballots and putting in fake ballots from people that should register voters. So we use Bright ID, Proof of Humanity, multiple other systems for getting a pluralist view of what communities out there think that this is a unique person. We try to aggregate that and we use machine learning on the other side to say, well, there's, a certain class of individuals that we know are civil and we try to teach humans how to look at those accounts and detect them and then we use the machine learning to scale the subjective opinions of humans. so we don't really use it to scale the absolute identification of a true class of civil we use it to scale subjective human opinions and we think that's better and more ethical than scaling algorithms that inherently have more bias than we know in them anyway Ah, excellent. Uh, and quite a comprehensive description, I think, of the work that Gitcoin has been doing. Uh, personally, I've, since learning about Gitcoin, have been falling deeper and deeper into the rabbit hole. And certainly, I think that one of the differences 
between Gitcoin and maybe some of the other developments that are happening in the DSs, you're really building solutions that are solving some of your own problems, right? Like there, uh, like you said, there are there's this need to solve the uh, the civil uh, issues that uh, happen when someone may want to uh, basically create a uh, you know a, a process that benefits them in terms of either uh, kind of taking advantage of the quadratic uh, funding uh, over at, at Gitcoin or, or something else. So really great to see and also good to see the expansion of that vision uh, beyond uh, into some other products, which I think we're going to tap into in a little bit, uh, like the proof of personhood pass, uh, passport as well. A um, little bit about myself uh, here on the stage. So yeah, hosting CryptoSapiens, uh, and we're really now extending this outside of you know, the uh, Discord, if you will, the gates of the Discord of the Bankless DAO into Twitter spaces to make some of these conversations that we were already having uh, a lot more public, give them a lot more visibility and uh, create more value to uh, the community that uh, has supported us in the past, but also to those who want to learn more about uh, the different things that, that are happening in the Web3 uh, space, uh, not just Web3 identity. This series here is a brand new series that we're spinning up uh, it's a Web3 identity panel. Uh, we're, it's a weekly basis. Uh, we're going to be having guests from around the space of Web3. Some of us will be repeat guests, uh, but we'll have some different ones, some other guests uh, in the future as well, really to try to demystify the uh, topic of self-sovereign identity and reputation as well. Right. So uh, my background uh, in the Web3 space prior to working on CryptoSapiens is I am a contributor also to projects like Ontology and Orange. Uh, at each of those projects, uh, they're kind of working out some of these issues as well on, you know, decentralized identity. And uh, for the former on Ontology, uh, they've developed quite a few and like a comprehensive uh, suite of products around identity, from an identity wallet to a, uh, you know, their implementation of the DID standard that is uh, cross-chain, so it's been deployed across various blockchains, uh, including Ethereum, Near Protocol, and a Reputation Protocol, of which has been expanded to become Orange Protocol, and really looking at how we can empower individuals to be able to have a much more robust experience in Web3 beyond just uh, maybe just these token-weighted methods of interacting with Web3 today, where it's more reputation-based, based on your activity and contributions to a DAO, for example. So uh, this is a uh, topic that is very near and dear to my heart. And so because of that, I, my interactions in this space uh, cross a wide variety of projects. Um, also, I would consider myself a contributor at Bright ID and at Gitcoin as a uh, token holder, but also, uh, you know, because these, these are the conversations that are important to me as well in terms of how we can create robust experiences in the Web3 space using our self-sovereign identities. So we also have Orange on stage. I think, David, is that you behind the icon there? Uh, yes, sir. It's uh, pretty much always me, so. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it, man. Give give a give an intro to yourself. Yeah, well, um, so I'm, you know, in terms of my kind of role in, in Orange, you know, I'm, I'm in marketing and, um, you know, I come from traditionally a, like a SaaS type of a background. Yeah, so got involved with Orange, and um, I think Humpty kind of encapsulated a lot of, you know, what we're trying to do. And, um, you know, the way I kind of look at it is, 
um, you know, identity being kind of the base layer of reputation. So, you know, without kind of solving these problems that people like Joe uh, are working on, um, it's it's more difficult to build communities that are reputation based and that, um, as Humpty said, provide like a, a richer experience. So, yeah, I mean, and I'm prim- primarily a, a writer as well. So I do all the orange uh, medium posts, the mirror posts, um, you know, the social media. So, um, yeah, um, if you want to know who orange is in, in terms of, um, a lot of the Twitter and stuff, that's me. And so, um, uh, and I think I mentioned this in, in our kind of discord, you know, this, the space is just really evolving constantly. And there's, um, you know, I see so many different identity focused projects come across, you know, my feed or whatever every day. So, um, it's definitely, um, something that people are tackling and that, um, you know, as far as orange goes, you know, we want to, um, again, help communities build those alternative ways of existing other than, um, you know, token weighted voting and whatnot. So, um, that's kind of my little spiel, but, um, anyone feel free to, um, DM me if they want to learn more about orange or, um, you know, just engage further, you know, um, my channels are always open. So. Right. Uh, thanks so much, David. Um, so, you brought something up that I think could be a nice uh, kickstart to our discussion here. And that is, I think we've seen a proliferation of new projects that have come into the space of Web3 that are trying to build tooling around our, you know, our self-sovereign identities or in the reputation space. Why do we think that is? Uh, why are so many projects, you know, coming in? I mean, I think that there's a few that have been mainstays here. And I think, you know, Bright ID, Gitcoin uh, are examples of that. But why has been has there been this influx of interest and development in this space recently? I think uh, a big reason is the DAOs. Like as we get to seeing more DAOs proliferate, we're asking the question of like, what is somebody's reputation? And that reputation Lots of times, especially when you're coming in with an older mindset, you're thinking this reputation is something that is linked to a primary key of an individual. Like an individual is the record in the database, and there's all these things that are attached to them. And uh, people that are trying to say, wait a second, that's not exactly the right way that this happens. Like if they have autonomy, they should be able to opt out of certain reputations. Uh, anything that they keep with them should be through mutual consent. The information in doubt, you know, should be attestable or credentialed. You know, I should be able to show the bouncer that I'm 21, but not show him my address or my favorite color or whatever else he's going to figure out. Um, and we're also seeing that this space with a bunch of anonymous uh, voters um, is driving some need for understanding reputation at a level where there might be legitimate use cases for multiple identities for one unique human. And and so the variety of these use cases that pop up through the DAO's quest for understanding reputation to allocate resources within their community, uh, I think that's why we're seeing it. Uh, It's interesting, actually. Uh, Adam, did you have something to add to that? Yeah, so I think that it's, 
it's like the when web 2 was first coming into being there were a bunch of identity solutions that cropped up and i think in a lot of ways web 3 is a reaction to web 2 and its failures and uh we kind of like it's almost like we're going back to the beginning of the internet like web 1 we're like can we get what we wanted please like what we what we thought we were getting when we were building the internet in the first place. Can we go back to that? And can we have something that's free and that's owned by the people? Um, I, I think there were a lot of interesting identity solutions that came out of web two, um, like OAuth, OpenID, that then kind of got co-opted by really big companies that took over the social media space. And it, I can't, for instance, take my my graph of people that I'm connected to. So my social graph, I can't take that and take it around to wherever I want. Like I can't, I can't just go to a different front end and say, this is mine. And, and I can't use it in a way that only the people that I already know can look at it. And so I feel like there were a lot of failures and we kind of gave in or lost to out to big companies that wanted to control our data. And now, maybe we're reacting to that and we're fighting back and we're saying with web three this time we're and we're going to take it where we want and if you want our data it's on our terms and you're going to pay pay us for it so i i hope that i hope that we learn have learned some things and we try some some new experience experiments that will turn out better for us and that, you know, i th i think we have um We've always had the right cryptographic tools, but I think we're becoming more privacy aware and more design is going into privacy first, which I think is encouraging. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Joe, you you talked about something in terms of credentialing and privacy. And Adam, you're kind of touching on that right now, too, in terms of the maybe pseudonymous nature of this space, but also the learnings from the past that can be applied into the present with the technology that we're building in the Web3 space. And so there, yeah, and, and, and to maybe even further the point and to emphasize the point, maybe better said, that Joe said is an example that I know Philip is one of the uh, one of the ones that you used on me early on when I was asking what is you know decentralized identity what what is self sovereign identity and really the example is you go to you know you go to a, a market you want to buy some alcohol and um, the person asks for your identity and you give up your your ID and suddenly they have more information about you than they need uh, is not a very private transaction. Um, instead, wouldn't it be better if we could just uh, give them a binary answer, like yes or uh, that I am uh, of age to purchase that uh, alcohol, that beer, uh, and do in doing so, retaining that privacy. When we look at the Web3 space, you know, I, I think that there is an interest by many to retain uh, privacy in their personal identities, right, and kind of maybe even create a between them or even have multiple identities, um, you know, for whatever, you know, interactions they want to have, whether they want to have an identity for governance or they want to have an identity for DeFi and they want one just for all their DGEN stuff, right? They may want to keep these identities separate, but they still want to make sure that they can unlock, um, you know, uh, rewarding experiences across the Web3 space. And so 
we are looking at the use of cryptographic technology to uh, verify uh, these individuals uh, and but but still retaining that privacy. So maybe we can talk about uh, some of that uh, and how not necessarily how it works, but really um, just maybe give a brief overview. And what I mean by that is like verifiable credentials, right? So I think this is another topic that we've seen pop up uh, more recently. And certainly, I think Evan over at Disco has been an ambassador for uh, talking about the value of using verifiable credentials. What what is a what what is a verifiable credential, and and really how does that unlock or allow for someone to kind of verify certain things about themselves while still retaining that uh, privacy? One of the nice things about a verifiable credential, right, is that you you may have a whole bunch of them in your digital locker but you only provide the specific one or few that prove the thing that you want to prove to whoever's receiving it. So, you know, in, in your example of going and buying an alcohol, drink of alcohol, all you need is a verifiable credential from the RMV or whoever it's going to be from that dictates that binary answer that yes, this person is of age. Uh, you know, your, your university degree, right? You need to prove your degree but not like the grade you got in any specific class. Uh, I, I don't think verifiable credentials in, in and of themselves solve the, the uniqueness problem because there's no entity on earth that can give a credential that says this account is unique. Is unique. Uh, that's, that's how those two things collide. I do think that, that eventually when someone figures out the uniqueness thing, that they can then issue that as a verifiable credential. Yeah, just invited uh, Johnny up here to the stage too. He's uh, another one of these folks that is synonymous in the space of uh, digital identity and even the verifiable credential topic. Uh, Johnny, did you want to give a brief intro to yourself, what you do at Disco, and maybe tackle uh, the question that we just uh, shared on verifiable credentials and maybe how Disco sees that? Yeah, sure. Uh, just before I start, though, um, can you repeat the question? I don't know if I caught it uh, right when I joined. Oh, sure. We were just talking about the privacy, uh, you know, the privacy nature of DICs and how this opens up the bling, uh, you know, the ability to verify one's, uh, you know, either interactions in the Web3 space or certain elements of our own identity while still uh, retaining that privacy, right? Uh, and we were framing it from the context of maybe individuals who want to maintain some pseudonymity in the space. Uh, and not necessarily open up, you know, and fully dox themselves like I have. <laughs> sure. Um, so yeah, I'm Johnny, um, co-founder of a project called Disco. We're relatively new, but we're uh, many of us have worked in on the team have worked at Newport and Certo before this, and um, uh, still trying to tackle problems in the identity space, I suppose. Um, and yeah, we're, our, our approach is to, you know, use DIDs and verifiable credentials to facilitate data portability um, in a privacy-preserving way, as Humpty alluded to. Um, one of the things we've seen in the space recently is, I'm, I'm not sure how much of the discussion has already gone on here, but, you know, the NFT um, uh, strategies um, where you're putting things on chain. Um, of course, there's many counters and back and forths between the NFT and did and VC kind of strategies here where it's like, oh, we could ZK 
the NFTs and we them semi-transferable, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we're taking the approach of Disco that VCs are kind of more purpose-built for this. They sit off-chain, they have lower costs, highly scalable, and um, you can interact at least for now um, at the front end of these applications by logging in with a, an Ethereum address and you can put your verifiable credentials someplace. Disco is going for that. There's some other strategies around how to do this, but at Disco, we have a web app. Uh, you can store your credentials there. They're not tamperable by us, um, but you sign in with a with your Ethereum address to app or DAP one two three four and five. They receive your Ethereum address. Call our API. Um, don't have to call our API. Could always go around us, but we're betting on UX. Um, and uh, read the credentials that you have and who issued them to you and verify them right there and then execute whatever app logic. So that's the general MVP vision of Disco. Um, and you know. Talk to a lot of people in this space that are on this call. Um, I think a lot of us share the same type of vision uh, here. And we're excited about um, kind of proof of personhood and proof of uniqueness, which I heard y'all talking about. But from a more probabilistic, um, I don't know that we'll ever be able to prove uniqueness um, without having one unified data set um, or registry that everybody kind of uses as soon as you have multiple <laughs> proofs that you accept for uniqueness that have different registries of of those uh, unique proofs um you don't have uniqueness anymore so i think we're looking at the future where you have credentials from doing work in DAOs, credentials devcon and credentials from your school or university and all of these types of things taken together the more you have creates a higher assurance of uniqueness and personhood and for most use cases you don't need 100% certainty of uniqueness. That's kind of what uh, we're doing. And I'm also at IIW right now, the Internet Identity Workshop, with many of our friends who aren't on this call. Um, just had a chat with the sign-in with Ethereum, Wayne and um, Oliver. Um, so lots of lots of identities. Wow, nice. Maybe we should have a side chat on that uh, to kind of recap uh, You know the, the takeaways from IIW. I did uh, see a few folks that we have in our own channels talking about them being at that event. So pretty excited to see that the, uh, you know, the, the, the conversations and the development around, uh, you know, digital identity, uh, decentralized identity is continuing and being pushed forward by such, uh, you know, commendable projects. Um, one thing that Johnny mentioned, which I think is, can lead us into the next part of our discussion here is the application of our, you know, of our self-sovereign identities. The use of uh, these verifiable credentials as ways to pro provide some proof that we indeed uh, were in attendance of, you know, for example, going to DAO events or being a member of a DAO. Um, all of these things kind of be uh can comprise our our self-sovereign identities and then can provide some sort of proof of who we are as a unique individual um i'm curious to hear a little bit more about how bright id sees the uh application or the use of self-sovereign identities based on the work that you're doing um you know within your own project maybe some of the partnerships that you've been developing as well yeah so i've i've gotten to know a lot of um what else is going on besides proof of uniqueness? And it's been interesting to follow some of the W3C working groups and see what they've been doing and how the how the um, the did spec and the verifiable credential specs have come along. 
Um, so I've been following along with, with all of that. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely can see from, from the, the standpoint of I, I want to, I want to combine my bright ID with other credentials that I have. I, that makes a ton of sense. And it makes a ton of sense that applications will say um, when a node wants to say that someone's a unique person within the bright ID network, um, according to a certain verification um, algorithm that's been run, um, that can be issued as a VC by a node and that that should be a um that that's a um one form of uh of of credential that a node can can generate so yeah that all like that that makes total sense um as far as combining other uh like bringing stuff back into bright id um that's an interesting thing that we're that we're still exploring, um, and that is actually uh, it. It becomes more useful um, within uh, so not within the the Bright ID app that that most users are using, but there's another app that we're developing called Aura, which is a a toolbox, the best toolbox for Sybil hunters, basically. It, brings people who are going much deeper into the problem and analyzing, um, like verifying people and analyzing the, the network on, a, on a, a much deeper level and, and, and using kind of expert tools to do so. Um, that is something where that definitely comes into play. Um, like, it, you know, if I already know someone and I'm connecting to them on Bright ID, I don't need them to give me a certificate say, saying that, this is my Twitter account. Like I, you know, I already, I already know that. I don't, I don't need to see that. Um, but if, uh, if if I'm a Sybil hunter and I'm, you know, trying to gather as much information as possible, and I want to make sure that this that this person isn't using five different accounts um, with five different Twitter profiles or something, then then that does that does become a useful tool. So consuming VCs um, does become useful for that. So anyways, that's, yeah, that's kind of where I see the, the intersection. I'm sure there's lots of other stuff. There's really interesting questions about reputation and where does, uh, you know, what does it mean to have all, all these different credentials and wh where does, where do reputation, where's the line between reputation and unique identity and things like that. So I don't know where we want to take this, but there's, <laughs> yeah, I hope that helps a little bit. Yeah, I think it does. Um, so in, th there's another term that we were talking about earlier as well, and that was digital democracies. And I think that uh, Joe, you you brought that up to to you know through your introduction. Um, what is kind of some of the work that Gitcoin is doing in terms of both its use of development of you know these uh, Sybil resistant uh, technologies, but also the implementation of them across the coin ecosystem. Yeah, um, I think we're fundamentally looking at every grant as being a small public uh, community that has its own little governance, and they're trying to allocate their public good resources within that community. So originally we were just doing Ethereum rounds, but now we're doing side rounds for 
groups like Genetic and Human Swap and others. And uh, is that really loud over there? Sorry, they're running something with that. That's a little loud, but we can hear you. Okay. So they are what we're what we're seeing is now there's multiple uh ecosystems or governance surface areas. And, and I think what we're realizing here as we're moving to a grants 2.0 protocol is that we need to mitigate civil in multiple ways. What we're trying to do is say that there is a cost uh, for participating and that you can't aim out of the system more than the weight of time that it takes to put into it. So you could view this as something where we're looking at people reactively and trying to detect it. Um, or you could look at it proactively and think, well, maybe uh, many different communities can try different funding mechanisms. For example, Nalid, who is in the audience here, runs our uh, Catalyst Squad where we do simulations and um, look at different funding mechanisms. Just putting a simple dollar tax that goes into the ning round was one really interesting mechanism design that would make the civil attackers play into the positive game theory by contributing to the fund. So we're looking at it from both sides, like protection and through mechanism design. But I think um, a real interesting thing here to tie back into that verifiable credentials is, you know, you're either getting a credential that you're kind of saying, hey, this is one entity that says this person is X. Or you're saying, here's multiple entities that say, this person is X, or you're saying, here's many entities that said this person is X at X point in time, and then said that they were still X at, you know, another at Y point in time. Uh, so for example, let's say you're integrated through proof of personhood passport to bright ID, proof of humanity, Twitter, a few other things. Every round, if we issue a verified full credentials and protocol, you're getting this user was not civil compared to these other users in grants round 12, in grants round 13. Now, imagining that happening to you across 20 different communities that you participate in, what's going to happen over time is the richness of the very credential graph uh, alongside of the human connection, the graph of grants, donations, where the money moves in the ecosystems, is going to give a much different profile between civil users and non-civil users, we hope. And it'll kind of come back to this effect where, like in um, some video games, like uh, Counter-Strike, I believe, had for Call of Duty, one of them had a thing where, yeah, expert uh, detector, people were very good at games, but go in and see and judge whether people were hacking or not. And if there were people that were playing with unfair rules, they didn't get kicked out of using the game. They just only got to play with other people who were using the same set of words as them. So we would love it if the civils could continue using Bitcoin grants just only to fund things that other civils are doing. And people that wanted to be in a system with unique humans could be in a system with unique humans. Uh, I think that's real democracy because we're not trying to be opinionated about whether you should be allowed to participate in a community, what the rules of that community are. We just want to make it explicit as to what the rules of participation are and that the participants in each community or democracy uh, are following those, those rules. 
That's interesting, actually. So if I heard that right, um, the way that Gitcoin sees it and the way that the this is being developed is that you're looking at ways to, uh, I guess, build out someone's, uh, you know, identity and through credentialing uh, that doesn't necessarily restrict their use of the platform, but really uh, segments the use of that platform to groups of people who are using it in ways that are similar. So you are, like you said, you, uh, using it in a way that as to, uh, you know, you, uh, evil simple methods, uh, then you can certainly uh, continue using the platform, but then uh, you kind of are put together in this group of uh, individuals or projects that are you know, implementing the same type of processes, but then others can then uh, be segmented into other groups or cohorts who are doing it differently, where they don't necessarily want to have these civil practices. I think that's really interesting because, again, that's very democratic and that's a, you know, it doesn't necessarily uh, block uh, people from using the platform. It really just kind of uh, creates maybe a more fair uh, playing field. I think that's the right word that I would use, at least in terms of uh, the way that people can uh, interact with these, uh, you know, platform public platforms like uh, Gitcoin. Yeah, fairness is a good way to say it, because what you're doing is uh, reducing information asymmetries uh, by making sure that the system is built in a way that you participants can't do wrong like rather than shouldn't do wrong and to be able to change that from the fundamental uh, way the system, the protocol works um, would be um, next to impossible. You might have some level of probabilistic guarantees that, you know, based on it being more expensive to uh, attack than to defend that the optimal strategy for most users would be to participate in a game that matches their uh, preferred um, governance rules. Yeah. So you talked about the proof of personhood passport. I don't personally think that we. Uh, I don't think that we. You, we've get, gotten an introduction to what that is. Can you briefly describe uh, how that works? Uh, how someone can uh, get started with creating their passport, and uh, where can they use it today? So a decentralized proof of personhood passport. It's something we found out because if you go to proof of personhood passport, or I believe it's proofpersonhood.com or proofpersonhoodpassport.com. But uh, Kevin had built out a the founder of Gitcoin, a SDK for a very quick, crude version of this, just to kind of show what it would look like. And asked a bunch of people if they wanted to use something like that. And they all said, Yeah, we'd love to kind of have a few lines of code, kind of like Stripe integrating into your website, a few lines of code to be able to see um that is based on the aggregations that are done through the gitcoin platform so uh, the <clears throat> that was the original idea now we're building out to be more decentralized so that's not fully built um the exact specs aren't there but you can you know reach out to the team and talk to them in the gitcoin discord about uh how they're building it the overall idea is simply that people are uh already on gitcoin right now signing up and connecting their brand and connect their proof of name and connect all these other things to get a trust bonus score. So the proof of personhood passport is supposed to be unopinionated holding a bunch of 
uh, integrations or verified credentials on who that person is and how they participated in different things. So it ends up being more of a standard or a protocol, I think, but I think that is still TBD exactly what it is. Well, that's cool. And it sounds like there, if, if anybody is curious to learn more about what that is, uh, certainly I think Gitcoin DAO has a very active Discord. So you, I would recommend jumping in there and checking that out. Um, um, well, uh, and so since we seem to be coming towards the end of the hour here, um, Adam, Philip, I'd love to kind of give us an idea of like, you know, one, share with the community here, you know, how they can get started with Bright ID and kind of some of the things that you all are are building out and are excited for, you know, in the near future. Yeah, thanks. Um, come to a, so go to meet.brightid.org. If you haven't already come to a connection party, they're fun. You'll um, meet some new people. You'll meet a host. You'll make your first Bright ID connections. You'll learn how it works. Then go and make some connections with people that you know. Um, we're, ha we have a feature coming out soon that will anonymously allow you to find people that you know that are already using Bright ID. This is a feature you've seen in other platforms. Um, we're being very careful about it that it's not actually leaving any data anywhere for, you know, on a server for people to find. Uh, but it does allow you to like find people who are, are you already know that are already in your contact list that are already using Bright ID. Um, so that, that, you know, then connect to those people and or bring some new people into Bright ID until you have at least three people that you trust and know really well, then set up your social recovery. That's really important. We've talked about um, de decentralized identifiers and verifiable credentials. One of the nice, really nice features of having a decentralized identity is you or a decentralized identity, you can set up recovery methods for it. And um, I, I think one of the best, if not the best recovery method is social recovery, where you allow some of your closest friends to um, be able to recover your identify uh, your identity for you. If you lose everything, you can get it back just by reconnecting to those people that you've set up with Bright ID. It's really important. Um, yeah, demand it wherever you go. Like I, I hope these other things that we've been talking about, like Depop um, passports and and um, and Disco, I hope that that they that they end up um, using social recovery. I think it's such an important feature. So yeah, that's that's my little plug for Bright ID. And also, um, yeah, we'll keep you posted about the Aura tool. If you fancy yourself as an expert civil hunter, that more than just connecting with your friends, you're gonna like scrutinize your friends and make sure that they're not connect you know making multiple accounts then then aura is the is the game for you so we'll let you we'll keep you updated on that anything to add philip uh i'll just i'll just show a few other things you know one is that right so gitcoin has has long been uh, a user of bright id and all of your grant recipients get more grant matching if you're bright id verified so you should do that there's also about to be a round through CLR fund. Uh, they've been a great partner for Bread ID as well. They're doing by far their biggest round ever with ETH Foundation and Ethereum stakers. So they've got a $350,000 grant round coming up, which is, I don't know, five, 10 times done before. Uh, 
And if, if you want to help help projects to get grant funds, again, you need to be Bread ID verified for that. Uh, and also I'll tease out a new thing we're working on, uh, which is a, a, a gas faucet for, for uh, lower price chains. Um, uh, Gnosis chain is one I, I'm, I'm particularly involved in. Sometimes you really wish you just had some uh, non-traceable gas in, in an address. Uh, and we think that there have been lots of attempts at faucets before, but the Sybils come and ruin it for all of the honest users. Uh, and we want to build out uh, a gas faucet that's protected by Bread ID so that all the good legitimate users can use it actively. The networks can benefit from having those people have as many addresses as they need uh, without the Sybils ruining everyone's. Awesome. Thank you, Adam. Um, that's actually really interesting. I like, I like the idea of uh, faucet and I think um, faucets, airdrops, they're all uh, always fun topics. Uh, I think yesterday optimism uh, kind of proved that, you know, airdrops are still fun, uh, that there's a lot of room for experimentation as well in terms of how we can create better uh, ways to engage our communities and uh, reward them or just give them free tokens, but um, really in a way that um, is uh, not going to be ruined by the Sybils, uh, <laughs> like you mentioned. So uh, thank you for that. Joe, I don't know if you're back, but did you want to plug anything else in terms of like uh, kind of future stuff uh, or just generally uh, how people can get involved with Gitcoin? Okay. Yeah, for Gitcoin, you know, just check out GitcoinDAO.com. Whatever you're working on, you know, there's probably some little way to get involved. I mean, we have from basically full-time, you know, machine learning engineers to, you know, storytellers, copywriters, and infographics help to, uh, there's meme makers and other worksheets, not so much in our defense one. But what I'm trying to say is there's like something for you to do and participate. You know, there's things that are very small bounties. So there's things that are opportunities to be hired full time. So check it out and see how you can get involved. It's getcoindow.com. Excellent. Thank you so much. Um, so for, you know, anybody who's in the audience and would like to just kind of keep going with learning about Web3 identity and uh, learning about the different projects in this space that are building it and even potentially the way that they're uh, working together. You know, we heard here Bright ID and Gitcoin by owning your identity with Bright ID and using that uh, as a trust bonus on Gitcoin, you are able to increase that match on your uh, contributions, uh, your public goods funding uh, on the Gitcoin platform. Like that, there are just so many examples of ways that uh, these different projects are collaborating with one another and building out this ecosystem so that we can own our digital identities in the Web3 space and open up and unlock, unleash uh, the power of, of, of that identity uh, and reputation in this space. So, you know, do tune in. Uh, and then if you have any questions or anything that you would like to hear, go to the pinned message on the Crypto Sapiens channel and let us know what you want to hear um, or what projects you want to you want to talk about or what questions you have about, you know, self-sovereign identity or reputation or even of the projects that we are going to be featuring.